Hi everyone, I'm Abby and I'm Trimmy. And I'm Jenny and I'm hot for British voices but not British actors. Welcome to Blame It on the Vag, your weekly vagina talk with your besties. This week we're talking about flicking that bean. May is International Masturbation Month. In today's episode we're going to talk to you all about how to talk to your daughters about masturbation. How is your vag this week, Abby? Oh, my vag is okay. Period started last night and I couldn't sleep. Cramp all over the place. Oh. Hot flashes, the works, so. But I get to take a nap today later, so <laughs> I'm like super excited about that. It's like the highlight of my week. That's when you know you're an adult. When nap time is, is like your favorite part of the day again. Yes. Yeah. Josh is taking the girls back and I'm like, <gasps> I get to take a nap. <laughs> well, we almost had our periods together. And it's kind of funny because I didn't start mine last week until after the podcast. Oh, yeah. Like Sunday night I started. <laughs> yeah. So like the podcast triggered it. <laughs> it knew. It totally did. So because we've had requests, it's such an awkward conversation to have. So I thought we would start with how old we were when we started touching ourselves, Abby, because I know we started pretty young. I was taught in preschool. And did you, um, when did you, like between when you started, when did you find out that like that was what that was and that it was okay? Or did you ever know that it was okay? I did not find out. I was never told that it was okay until college. And I had a roommate tell me that it was okay and that I should be doing it. And then as a joke, a male roommate, because there were four of us living in the apartment. So Jen told me that it was okay to do it. And we had a whole conversation that was embarrassing for me because the male roommates were at the table with us when we were having the conversation and were part of the conversation and were trying to tell me it was okay too. And then we had all gone off to classes. And while I was at my classes, I guess, Kevy found this poster of this World Wrestling Federation dude. And he put it over my bed on the ceiling. <laughs> Here, a little bit of a uh inspiration right so I come home and I don't even notice until I get ready for bed that night and I'm like, <laughs> I crawl into bed and I lay back and you just hear me laughing <laughs> when I noticed it ravishing Rick Rude that's who it was oh my god I'll have to post that the week yeah. that this comes up yeah you have to post the picture of him but I do remember so I was caught in preschool and the conversation that was had then wasn't it's okay to touch yourself just not in public the conversation was that is not okay for you to do ever yeah that was the conversation we had I think that was I mean I think that was pretty common I don't think our parents understood that at that age it's not a sexual thing it's a self-soothing thing right I started I was pretty young and I actually like I think I remember seeing my sister do it and we were, <laughs> I mean I was like five and she was probably seven and 
So I started doing it, but I don't think I talked to her about it. I think I saw it and I was like, hmm, what is that? I'm going to try it. And because um, we were like watching a movie or something. I remember we were laying on the floor in the living room. And so I'll have to talk to her about that. That's see if she remembers when she that young, because that's like vivid. I don't remember talking to my mom about it. She may have, but it just sticks in my mind seeing my sister <laughs> do it. And so, of course, obviously, I was going to try it because I wanted to do everything she did. So, yeah. And then, but I, I didn't, I think I was the same as you. Like, whenever I got to college, either at the end of high school, it's around high school, college, I think, that I, I realized that it was okay to do. And the funny thing is, I didn't know that I had been having orgasms from it. I didn't know that's like what an orgasm was until um, I think it was my ex-husband who like gave me an orgasm by like fingering me. And I was like, what? That's what that is? Like, (laughs) you know, like because I like we have talked about before, I always thought you only could get an orgasm through sex and penetration. And so in my mind, I was like, well, that's just how I finished masturbating. Like it felt really good. And I got this like high and then that was it. And then I remember just like realizing like, oh my God, I've been having orgasms this whole time. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right. And I don't think that, so it was a self-soothing thing when we were young, young. And then as we got older, when it started to feel better and we learned how to orgasm, I don't think it was sexual for me really until middle school. But I went through puberty earlier, so it makes sense that it would pick up at that point. Yeah, but that you would put two and two together. I think that was about the same for me too. You know, Before that, it was just something like a self-soothing before bed. Right. So let's talk about your girls, Abby. So your youngest, you've you've had to sort of open the door on the conversation with because she's already started. Yeah. So she started, I noticed she started doing it when she was about five, between five and six. Okay. And, um, and it would be while we were sitting on the couch watching a movie or something. And so... I was like, I, I remember, I remember my oldest was like, stop, yelling at her to stop. And so I, I was like, look, it's okay to do that. We all do it. But this is something that you do um, in your bedroom when you're by yourself before bed. Um, or if you're just in your room in private, you can do it. It's okay to do just not not when there's other people around or in public and they can see it um, because I don't know if she was she was doing it at school I don't think she was I never got a call or anything um, but I just wanted to make sure because sometimes she we would be out in public and she would stick her hands down her, her pants and so I would have to be like okay let's you know you can finish that at home you don't have to do it here <laughs> the funny thing is that my oldest never did that I never once saw her do it, and and this is horrible, but I never talked to her about it. Um, it just never crossed my mind, though. Right, if you're younger. not seeing her do it. I yeah. mean, you have that conversation with your youngest because it's sort of triggered that way. And I think one of the biggest questions that 
that people always have is what age do I start talking to my child about it? Yeah. And really, I think it depends on the child. Yeah, it does. And I think I dropped the ball a little bit on my oldest and I could have talked to her about it earlier at seven or eight or something like that. If I would have just remembered that I started early and I don't remember being talked to about it. So, but my oldest is weird and squeamish. And if I try to talk to her about sex or anything, she's like, mom. (laughs) So I kind of have to throw a book at her like my mom did. (laughs) Right. So your youngest will be the one that you can have the open dialogue with, whereas your oldest is you're going to have to throw a book at. My nieces, I think, are, are reversed. Lolly, we've been having the open conversation with since she was really young and found Cindy's vibrator. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And then my youngest niece, I think it's not going to be the same sort of flowing open dialogue. The door's open, but she's not curious in the way that Lolly has always been. Right, right. And it's just, it's so awkward. No matter, it's awkward for me right now talking about it, and I'm sure it is a little bit for you. Like, it's just, I think it's one of the most taboo subjects out there, and it shouldn't be. Right, and and I think part of the problem for us, too, is there has been so much shame built into our learning that that has affected us and the way we view certain things. And even though... You and I can have a conversation. We can talk. We can joke about me masturbating constantly. Right. Like game night last night, somebody threw out, how's your arm, Jenny? Like, <laughs> it's not everyone knows. It's it's a conversation that we can have now, but it's still, between you and I, it's a funny thing. Yeah. But if I'm with a group of people, it's kind of embarrassing that I'm known as the one who masturbates all the time, but... Right, right, yeah. But it's so built into the way we were raised and everything that that we were taught. Unlike boys, we have never been taught to search, to seek out pleasure or that it was ever okay to be self-reliant. None of that has ever been encouraged because we were girls. So that's the foundation that we're starting with. We're starting with the foundation where we were told We had the full responsibility of morality on us. Don't dress a certain way. Don't talk a certain way. Um, We were raised not to be raped because it would be our fault if we were walking alone, if we were running alone, if we had too much to drink at a party. Like, it was all about that. So everything is coming from a place of shame for us, which makes it hard for us to be open and have that conversation yeah yeah and then it makes us hard makes it hard to have that conversation with our kids exactly even though we're trying really hard to open that up it's still exactly what are you gonna I mean you're sitting in the car and you're like hey hen let's talk about masturbation you know (laughs) like it's just weird and and again it's your your child kind of guides you through it too because I have been with Lolly in the car and she'll just bring it up. Like to her, it's like no big deal. And I have to remain calm 
you know, because that part of me immediately wants to be this, we shouldn't be having this conversation, but she's 16. Of course, we should continue this conversation that was started when she was in the first grade. And the whole point of starting the conversation, because it's never not going to be awkward for us. And I think that's the first thing that we all need to acknowledge. There's nothing we can do that's going to make this conversation (laughs) less awkward because you're speaking to a child and you're not speaking to a friend about it. So if it's awkward with your friends, it's going to be awkward with your child. And that's okay. It's just you emphasize the privacy aspect of it like you did. That's something we do in our bedroom. That's something we do in the bath behind closed doors. You create that ongoing narrative You try to come from a place not of shame, which I think is like the hardest part. Because your instinct is just to be like, no, you know, but then you're like, no, wait, you know, I have to, I have to make sure she knows it's okay. And I think, and like you said, taking the cues from your child, you know your child best, right? So the way to approach your child may be different than the way that I approach mine. Um, I thought it might be easier for my oldest if I just text her about it, um, because sometimes it's easier for her to vocalize her feelings and things to me through text, because she's always been a little bit more closed off as far as touchy-feely type of stuff. Um, and But I'll get texts from her sometimes, you know, little paragraphs that are oh, I love you so much and you're the best mom ever and and stuff, even though she may not vocalize it out loud. So if you have, you know, a kid that is just, you know, things just are hard for them to talk about, maybe texting will work. You know, I think that I think that's a perfectly okay way to bring it up with your kid. And then you can be like, hey, if if you want to talk in person, we can talk in person. If texting is easier, if it makes you feel a little better about talking about it, we can do it that way. You know, things like that. Even even a letter or something. I know it sounds a little bit old fashioned, but if your kid doesn't have a phone, you can like write him a little note maybe, you know? Right. That's actually a really good suggestion. Yeah. It totally just popped into my head like right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like totally going to text my oldest after this too. Hey, guess what we did our podcast about? She'd be like, mom, Chris is over. And books are a great way to open the door, too, because then they have the book, they can read the book and come to you if they have any questions. Just know that the door is open. Yeah. And and just letting them know. I mean, you don't have to just sit down in the very first moment and try to have an hour long conversation about masturbation. No, you (laughs) may not go over very well. Yeah. And you don't want to overwhelm no. So I think, you know, just approaching it, bringing it up, and then kind of maybe discussing how you are thinking about how you go forward with it. There's a website that I was going to recommend. The website is educateempowerkids.org. So it's it's all three words, educateempowerkids.org. And they actually have a Days of Sex Talks series that's broken down by age. So there's three books. It starts with ages three to seven and then eight to 11 and then 12 plus. And one of the things, if you, if, If you have a child that is touching themselves early in preschool, because I know I have a lot of friends who have panicked when their daughters started touching themselves that early, it's not a sexual thing, but you still get to open the door 
for that dialogue and you have that brief conversation with them about it being okay to do behind closed doors, in privacy, but you can also talk. I think that opens the door for talking about it's okay for you to explore yourself. It's okay for mommy or daddy or grandma or grandpa to help you when you've gone to the potty. And sometimes the doctor may have to touch you there, but I will always be in the room with you when he does. But no one else should be touching you there. No other adults should be touching you there. Right, yeah, bringing that up when they're that young. Um, And I know that I've talked about that when my youngest was young and just starting out doing that. Um, Also, when we take her to the doctor for her yearly check up the doctor says it too which is nice oh that's very nice because the doctor has to check and so the doctor asks you know can I I have to check you down there is that okay and then um, then she says don't let anybody else you know only if the doctor needs to do at your checkup, if your mommy needs to wipe you or you know that type of thing but don't let anybody else touch and so that kind of helps when you have like the doctor reinforce what you're trying to say too. So the thing that I found really surprising in in doing the research is that porn is just so accessible now to young children. And I know my nephew has already had his phone taken away at 12. What was it? I mean, was he watching porn? Yes. So so what what age is, is, is okay for people to start watching? Well, I think the problem with it starting so young is the unrealistic expectations that it sets up. But if they haven't ever had to use their imagination, also, it's just the images, they have like a limited arousal repertoire, for lack of a better word. So that kind of sets them up on two different levels that we don't want them set up on. Because I can remember watching movies in middle school and high school when the, you know, maybe it was a rated R and the the couple would get intimate, but they wouldn't show as much. And then I remember like making the rest of it up in my head later on, like going back through that scene and thinking about what they would do from there, you know? And so I think you're right as far as like the imagination thing and and the expectations, I think. Right. So self-exploration, we want to stress, is a good thing to our kids. But we also have to open, once they hit high school, the pornography door and, and discuss that. Since it's so accessible now. It didn't have a breakdown on teen boys versus teen girls watching it. It just said teenagers in general. Okay. Which I found worrisome. But also because you know, the kind of porn that's free out there that's easily accessible from phones is not the kind that teaches you anything and sets up all of those unrealistic expectations for our girls. There's a website called The Porn Conversation, and it offers tools for parents to discuss pornography with their kids in age-appropriate ways. So The Porn Conversation is a great website just to look at and see what age you should have that conversation at, what age you're comfortable having that conversation at. And I think the other thing that, that makes these conversations awkward is that you have to go into them being honest 
and being prepared to answer questions that they may have. So when you open that door and you're saying this is perfectly normal and they come back at you with, well, do you do it? You have to be prepared to be honest. Right. And for their reaction. Yes. No. Right. I want a picture of my mother doing it. You're the one who asked the question. Get that image out of my head. Don't open that door if you don't <laughs> want to know what's behind it. If you're, if you're religious, remember that God doesn't use shame to teach and neither should we. Yeah. Shame separates us from God. It doesn't bring us closer to God and it's not going to bring us any closer to our kids. A lot of us growing up in the 80s and the 90s had the shame issue. Although looking back at all the research for the sex education episode that I did, that shame teaching is still taking place in a lot of schools built into their sex education. So another reason why it's important to also be having these conversations at home. So the only conversation they're getting is not dudes spitting chewed up Oreo cookies into a plastic cup that gets passed down and handed to you. And then your child's teacher says to your child, is that what you want to give your husband on their wedding night? So you know what? Maybe he likes chewed up Oreos. You don't know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sorry, that was gross. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't love chewed up Oreos, Jenny? Isn't that what a blizzard is anyways? Like (laughs) that's how they make the Oreo blizzard. You didn't know that? (laughs) I work at a Dairy Queen. I totally know. Okay, no, that was a lie. I haven't. (laughs) I'm just picturing the poor guy in the back. But someone, every time someone pulls up and, and orders an Oreo blizzard, and he's like, damn it. Fuck. Ah, stuffs a couple Oreos in his mouth. She's really good. <laughs> Spits them in the cup. Pours the shake in. His, pours his everything life. in the blender. His job title is like Oreo chewer. When he applied, he had no idea what, that he actually had to spit it out. <laughs> I thought I just got to eat Oreos all day. We have a couple of YouTube links that we'll post during the week as well. They're really short clips. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's something that you were going to show the girls, right? Yeah. So these, these two video clips, I think I might sit down. Oh, I think one is for more for the boys. So I might just do the one for girls, but okay. Um, I might sit down and show them. So I'll post both of those during the week so that you guys can can look at those as well and and see if those are something that you want to share with your kids. It's nice because they're really short. They're very to the point and they can actually start the dialogue for you, too. And they're cartoons. They're not kids. And um, again, that, that video, if your kid is old enough, you may be able to just text it to them. But it might be good for you to just sit down and be like, hey, I got this video to watch. Right. And they're like, video? Oh, you tricked me. Right. <laughs> that, I don't know, Abby. Yeah, I don't know. I, I probably would not trick your children into watching masturbation videos. <laughs> that may not be the way to go about it. <laughs> I think texting your oldest that video and and saying, hey, here's a video. Can you just watch this real quick and then let, let me know you watched it and tell me if you have any questions or not. And then t- two minutes later, you get the mom text back. <laughs> or I could be like, hey, I think I want to show this to your sister. What do you think? Ooh, 
clever girl. And ask, but I'll kill two birds with one stone. Right. I feel like that's what parenting is about half the time, is just <laughs> trying to figure, figure out how to trick the kids into doing what you want them to do. Yeah, man, you've got that figured out. <laughs> you are a good observer. <laughs> trying to keep one step ahead and outsmart them when you can. It's all, I mean, when your kid is like three or four, it's all about tricking them into doing what you want them to do. <laughs> They think they have a choice, but they really don't. (laughs) You're like, okay, so do you want to take a bath now and get ready for bed? Or do you want to pick out your outfit for tomorrow and then take a bath and then get ready for bed? Exactly. (laughs) Choices are good, people. When they have a choice, they think they're in control. Do you want your chicky nuggets in the oven? Or do you want your chicken nuggets in the microwave? Yes. <laughs> Just word everything like a question yep. in two different forms, but it's the same They're information. Same exactly. <laughs> Man, you could write like a parenting book. <laughs> the author jacket would be awesome. <laughs> Jenny has her own vagina podcast where she spends most of her time joking about her masturbating. <laughs> She has no children and therefore knows exactly how to parent. Right. Oh, you help parent your nieces and nephews. I just continued the dialogue that Cindy started. <laughs> so easy, man. I should never. We'll rent Cindy out. Yeah. To have the, she'll start the conversation for you with all your kids and then you can just finish it. And you can finish it. Remember, do you remember talking to Cindy years ago? She's like, who's Cindy? You know, the random lady I had FaceTime you. And she talked to you about masturbation. I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about how to approach your child about it. Because I've had several people ask me, how do they approach their kids? Because I think once you start the conversation... It's, it's easier to kind of get it going. But approaching, I think, is the hardest part. And so figuring out the best way to approach your child, because you know your child best, I think that'll that'll be good. So there's, there's the texting, there's the books. You can even just leave the book on the bed or something for them to find later and go from there. The little post-it note. note. Yeah, saying, you can text me. If you don't want to talk in person about this and don't go into it like accusingly, like you're doing this already going into it, going, I, I love you. And I just want to make sure that you know how to do this and that it's okay. You know, if you are doing it, yeah. I don't know if you're doing this, I'm not spying on you in your room, but if you are doing this, it's perfectly normal. And if you have any questions about it, because you know, kids, the older they get, the more they're going to, to learn from the internet and social media. Everybody has their phones. Who knows what their friends are posting, what they're telling them, all that kind of stuff. And so I think it is a good idea to just clarify and make sure they don't have any questions or they're not afraid about something or they didn't get some weird misinformation because there's so much out there, you know. We can't monitor their phones 24-7. We can't be in their room 24-7. So I think keeping that communication open is key. As, yeah, as awkward as it is, but in any form that that's comfortable for you as well. Right. You know? 
And remembering that every child is different. So you don't have to have the same conversation with each child. Just be willing to go with the flow and how they approach it once you've opened the door. It still blows me away how open Lolly is about it. Just yeah, totally fine with it. And this is who she is and what she does and doesn't yeah. there's no shame in it for her at all which I love but you know when you're coming from a foundation of shame that you're trying to still get over yeah you're totally lucky with Lolly being open about it because we're all at that age where our kids are you know between the ages of you know you've got young ones but you've we've got teenagers too and coming from that space where for so long we didn't talk about it and we didn't think it was right like it is fucking hard to bring this shit up with your kids like I am not sugarcoating it I'm not I need to work on that I do I have a fucking vagina podcast and it's still hard to talk to my kids about (laughs) right so, like I said last week or whatever week it was, I'm just going to give them the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Feel free to do that, guys. If your kids, if you've got some teenagers or something, just show them the podcast. Only the applicable episodes. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just have them listen to the podcast where one of the co-hosts talks about her masturbation openly like it's no big deal every week. <laughs> <laughs> But we should be aiming for that. I mean, they should be able to talk openly about it once they're adult, you know, whatever. I don't even know, like, the appropriate, see, even that, like, they should be able to just talk about it openly whenever. And it's like one of those little videos said, the only time it's a problem is if it's interfering with your ability to do life. You know what I mean? It's if it's interfering yeah. with your work or whatever at home, because it's still okay to do it a couple times a day, however many times, whatever. Um, so we want to make sure that we mention that as well, you know. Yes. If it gets to the point where you feel like you can't do certain things because of it, you know, or it's taking over or you're canceling things because of it, then at that point, then it... I think it becomes an even bigger conversation and that might be, but I would definitely try to handle it as a parent, you know, you know, see if you can get some information at that point and sit down with them. There are resources out there that I stumbled across as well. Luckily, it doesn't seem to be that common, surprisingly, because it does feel so good. So if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, feel free to shoot us an email or um, a direct message, let us know. We can do a short episode, an extra episode. And we just want to let you know that starting in a couple weeks, we're going to add a segment to the Vagina Podcast every week, a Dear Abby segment, where you can write us in your questions. And Abby, our very own Dear Abby, will read your questions anonymously. And will answer them for you to the best of my ability that's right so you can submit those to us either at blame it on the badge at gmail.com or you can go ahead and send us a message on our facebook page yeah and um we will compile those and we'll start doing this segment and answer your burning questions and it can be anything you know it doesn't even have to be about vagina. <laughs> okay, it's bad when you have a vagina podcast and you're still okay. giggling when your co-host <laughs> says vagina. Like I just did. 
Oh, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) So feel free to submit your questions. Yeah. And uh, rate. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes if you have that. And subscribe. Uh, You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. And blameitonthevag.com. And we will see you next week, Vagina Besties. Bye. Bye. Bye.